This week on Go Check Yourself, we're talking about Chuck versus the Family Volkov. That's right, it's time to play the Family Feud. Today we've got the Bartowski family from Southern California, and they'll be playing against the Volkov family from Russia and or England. Give it up for your host, Steve Harvey. That's right, we're all about Chuck versus the family Volkov today. The Chuck clan going against the Volkov clan. It's a, a clash of the family titans, the likes of which have not been seen since, I don't know, Game of Thrones, maybe? <laughs> That's what people are talking about in 2021. Everyone loves games, Game of Thrones jokes. Games of Thrones. <laughs> games of Thrones. I've never seen the show, uh, but from what I gather, there's a lot of games, there's a lot of thrones, and there's a lot of uh, nudity and violence. It's basically just like this episode of Chuck. Hello, everyone. I am Aaron Hot Mama Arata, and this is Chris Sixpack Gillespie, and we are your hosts. That's what <laughs> that's what Ellie and Devon are called. Do you not remember this episode clearly, Chris? Uh, maybe I don't remember because this is episode season four, episode twenty. Ah, so, ooh, blaze it. <laughs> hashtag light it up. Uh, so maybe my my memory was a little affected. That is, of course, a joke. I would never uh, violate the sanctity of Go Chuck Yourself by consuming any kind of um, illicit substance oh, during the viewing. What, were we not Were we not doing that? No, I... You I, just watched I, me ate a salad laced, laced with THC. I Well, I thought it was understood when I texted you earlier when we were getting ready to record, and I said, are you ready to, you know, do 420? And then I said, hashtag blaze it, hashtag light it up. I thought that was clear sarcasm. I didn't actually mean that you need to get high. I know that you're in California and everyone's walking around constantly doing drugs and smoking the reefer. But yeah, honestly, um, I was out because I do it so much. So I mm -hmm. when I got that text from you, I was like, shit, I wasn't I wasn't ready for that. So I had to go um, just just, you know, to the corner weed store and just pick some up quickly. <laughs> I put it in my salad dressing. It was great. Is there actually a weed store that's that close to you? See, I said that as a joke, but actually there's four. <laughs> there's four of them? Yeah, so, within walking distance, very nearby. Wow, that truly is the uh, the land of dreams right there. <laughs> um, yes, this is Go Chuck Yourself. We're talking about this this episode, uh, Chuck versus the family Volkov. Um, I, talking about family feud, do you think, like, which team do you think Mary would be on? Would she be playing on the Bartowski oh, side, or would she be... Mm playing on the Volkov side? Would she be doing double duty? Is she like running back and forth in between rounds? Is that um, like much like you have never seen Game of Thrones, I have never seen Family Feud. Is that something that happens? Because I do not know. Uh, no, there are not usually instances where someone who's a member of both families has to run across uh, the stage okay. to Just checking, it would be games. interesting. No, you, yeah. I, uh, I think it's a little bit more acceptable that I've never seen Game of Thrones than the fact that you've never seen Family Feud. I think it's probably easier to come across Family Feud than it is Game of Thrones. Do you mean because it's on HBO? Because, I mean, it was pretty, like, it was a cultural phenomenon, Chris. It was pretty easy to watch. Most people have seen it. Well, here, here's my question. Was it so easy to watch that you'd be able to watch it at the dentist's office? Probably not. Family Feud... Watch it at the dentist's office. It's everywhere. <laughs> Family Feud is more ubiquitous than 
uh, Game of Thrones. Okay, well, I'm not going to deny that. To answer your question, I think at this point, Mary would be on the Bartowski's side, although we haven't seen her with the Bartowski's in several episodes, so maybe she's playing for her own team. Maybe she's, yeah, I. it would seem that maybe she doesn't even show up to the recording <laughs> of the episode of Family Feud. It would probably, yeah. so you got Chuck, you got Sarah, you probably have, because there's five people on a team. I know okay. I have to, I'm sorry, listener, if you already know that, Aaron doesn't know it, so let's they go have real to be slow. Related? They like don't Morgan, have to, Morgan couldn't be on Morgan this team, could or be, could he? No, he could. I would say okay. it would be Chuck, Sarah, Ellie, Devin, and Morgan would probably be Team Bartowski. They could, yeah. You could also have Casey in there. I mean, they have family friends sometimes, or like second cousins, or okay. it doesn't have to be your nuclear family, is what I'm okay, saying. Okay, I understand. So then, on the Volkov side, we have uh, Mr. Volkov himself, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Vivian. Mm-hmm. Then we would have um, the Ghost Man. Yeah, uh, Riley. <laughs> Riley, I Riley think? the Ghost Man, who yeah. has not shown up since we first <laughs> saw him at the Bank of Evil. Um, and now we need two other people for the Volkov. Well, we could team. have the guy that um, Yuri, Yuri, Yuri the, the gobbler. gobbler. I know he's dead, but so is Riley. And then, so um, we just need the the Contessa. We just have a boat. <laughs> we could have um, Vivian's horse. Vivian's horse. That's true. You could have a yeah, the boat. Either one, I think, would look pretty funny with a Family Feud name tag on it. So I agree. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's some okay. some real classic go chuck yourself gold right here, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> and I know, hard to believe that we're not high while we're talking about this. because uh, It often is. If we were high while we were recording, I don't know how different that would sound. Erin just gave me a thumbs up. Uh, I think she <laughs> is uh, maybe, maybe a little high. So maybe we need to get into the episode uh, before things really kind of take off for Erin. Hopefully you have at least like, <laughs> another 30 to 40 minutes before you really kind of uh <laughs> yes <the> okay <laughs> <laughs> okay so um yeah we we just but we all have actually been wondering what mary's been up to the past couple of episodes right well yeah. have no fear because this episode is about to like not answer that at all but she is <laughs> in the episode so that's at least a start we begin with Mary visiting Ellie and baby Clara, at which time Ellie decides to show her mom Stephen's laptop. Mary is obviously a little thrown by this and asks Ellie if she's mentioned the laptop to Chuck. Ellie says she doesn't want to give Chuck reason to go back into his spy life, but she's so excited about the implications of this Intersect project and Agent X. Mary pretends not to know about any of this, but she's obviously very alarmed. Across the way, Chuck is at the breakfast table reading Game of Thrones. But I have some problems. Um, he's reading a book that is, I have seen probably every edition of Game of Thrones, probably a lot of them. And he it's it's way too small. He is reading just like a normal s- small book. Also, he's like at the end of that book and he references um, Chris... I'm I'm gonna have to explain some things to you. There's a character. His name is Eddard. He goes by Ned, so I don't know why Chuck refers to him as Eddard. But he gives his children some wolves. They're called direwolves. They're like bigger than normal wolves. So Chuck is making reference to this, and um, I don't know why he's making reference to that at the end of the book. I don't know why he's just commenting because other things are happening at the end of the book. The direwolves aren't. They're at the beginning. It's all confusing. But something that I do think is really interesting is that this episode aired the same week that Game of Thrones the premiered on HBO. So, 
Wow. Do you think it was like cross promotional? Do you think it was just a coincidence? What do you think is going on here? It seems like they must have known, but how would you? Oh, because I guess they would actually have ways of knowing because Chuck and uh, Game of Thrones are both produced by Warner Brothers. So there could be some kind of Warner Brothers studio lot uh, cross pollination going on that they were aware of when Game of Thrones yeah. was going to air compared to when the episode like, yeah, Chuck that just- they were recording. It's really interesting because like now you don't really think about it. Like you're just like, oh, of course, like Chuck would know about Game of Thrones. But like this episode aired in a world where it was only the books. Like it wasn't um, everybody wasn't talking about, you know, like Kit Harington and like Amelia Clark and like Sean Bean. Nobody was talking about those guys. And like so Mm -hmm. weird, so weird to think about. So Sarah comes out of their bedroom and casually hands Chuck some papers to sign. Chuck looks at them and learns two things. One. Sarah's middle name is Lisa. Pretty exciting. Two, Sarah wants Chuck to sign a prenup. Oh, no. Whatever are we going to do? Sarah is obviously a little nervous about all this, but she's pretending to be casual. So is Chuck. He says he forgot to shower, so Sarah will head to Castle without him. Then Chuck heads over to Morgan and Casey's. They're creepily in sync in their morning routine. They're drinking orange juice, eating cereal, reading the paper all in same time i guess the joke is supposed to be that they're like an old married couple and it is honestly kind of funny chuck laments the fact that he thought things were going so well with sarah but obviously they aren't if she wants him to sign a prenup chuck's friends encourage him to just be cool once chuck leaves morgan starts opening some mail and finds an invitation to alex's graduation party casey didn't receive one because of course kathleen thinks that casey is dead Casey's obviously a little hurt by this, but he puts on a brave face and says, it was stupid of me to think otherwise. And, like, damn right it was stupid of him to think otherwise. What does he think? They're just gonna, like, bring him back from the dead for this party? He's gonna, like, go in disguise? He, I guess he could wear that wig. Or Morgan could have this elaborate ruse where he says that to celebrate. Is this Alex graduating from like undergrad or this is grad school. I guess I we don't know. I feel really like know. it's like grad school or law school of some kind, okay. but I don't really remember. So maybe Morgan is celebrating that this by like buying her um like a hologram of her dead father like Kanye West. Oh yeah. Mm, okay. Yes. <laughs> if and they could have Casey pretending to be a hologram and giving a really long heartfelt monologue. That's a really good idea. I think if this episode had aired in 2020 or 2021, um, that is the cultural touchstone that they would put. Do you have any thoughts about the um, Robert Kardashian hologram? I mean, it's scary. Scary? Do you you think it's not scary? Do you like it? No. (laughs) Yeah, I have a crush on the Robert Kardashian (laughs) hologram. No, I don't. I don't know. I just think it's interesting. I I don't really think we have to worry about holograms uh, coming into the mainstream anytime soon. But I guess it's an interesting technological breakthrough. I don't know. It seems like you would need a lot of therapy after having witnessed a hologram of your dead father performing some kind of original monologue. (laughs) I don't know. I don't think I don't know if it's the healthiest thing, but maybe that's why they're getting divorced. Some Hollywood trivia for what? you there. What? what? What did you say? So I had to give you some news about your neighbors, Kim and Kanye. I know you guys are close out there in L.A. That's well, I've, I mean, do you think do you think they had a prenup? Like, oh, I, I don't know. I bringing it good, back good around. Thinking. Well, Kanye has famously said, we want prenup. We want prenup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, of course, I am. I am shattered to hear this news that I have not heard before. I know, I'm sorry. 
that's that's okay. I'll I'll get I'll put on a brave face just like Casey. So down in Castle, Beckman tells the team that in response to last week's murders and bombings, the CIA has put a kill order out on Vivian. Chuck wants to be more lenient because he doesn't believe Vivian is truly evil. Beckman agrees that Team Bartowski can set up a meeting to hear Vivian's side of the story, but she tells Casey to take precautions, specifically to take a sniper rifle. Once the call is over, Sarah tries to support Chuck, but he's trying to be cool. She has to talk about the prenup, but he says no and just hands them the signed papers. Sarah is shocked. At the meeting with Vivian, which seems to be happening in some sort of deserted Californian landscape, Sarah tries to talk to Chuck again. She says the papers are nothing to do with him, just family stuff. Chuck continues to be a little cavalier about the whole thing. Hang on, did I say cavalier? I mean whiskey cavalier because Lauren Cohen, a.k.a. Vivian Volkoff, has arrived on the scene. She looks great. She's got like kind of like a... Is her hair different? She, it looks kind of redder. Her bangs are a little bit like shorter. She looks great. She looks really good. Chuck explains the situation to her and Vivian says that she had nothing to do with the bombing. She's trying to turn Volkoff Industries into a legitimate enterprise and she even brought Chuck a super dangerous weapon to prove her loyalty to the CIA. As she's opening the briefcase, people start shooting from somewhere in the mountains. Sarah tells Casey to stand down, but it's not actually Casey shooting. Who is it? Vivian overhears what Sarah said and thinks that it was all a trap. Fortunately, as Vivian escapes, she leaves behind the weapon in the briefcase. Unfortunately, it's not in the intersect, so they have no idea what it is or what it does. Based on this interaction, Beckman tells the team that the kill order still stands. Chuck asks for some time to figure out what the weapon does. And then we cut to, well, thank God, we cut to Volkov's lovely face. Not Vivian Volkov's face, which is also lovely, but Alexei Volkov. Timothy Dalton, he's back. Apparently he's in prison therapy, learning to talk about his feelings and make amends for what he's done in the past. He looks up from this therapeutic meeting and sees Chuck and Sarah hanging out in the prison hallway, and he says, I feel like I'm about to have some fun. Me too, buddy, me too. After the credits, we learn that Volkov has been using his time in prison to learn to repent. It's not really a Christianity thing, it's more like a spiritual thing. I don't I don't know, he's just kind of saying sorry a lot. Chuck rather stupidly has brought the mysterious weapon along, which he takes out and asks Volkov to identify. Volkov says it's a DNA tracker called the Norseman that can track someone based on their DNA in order to kill them. In addition to what Chuck has, there are two other components. Since he wants to make amends to Vivian, Volkov asks for five minutes with her in exchange for helping the team track down the rest of the weapon. Meanwhile, Alex drops by the Buy More. Alex is back. That's exciting. Not just Mary, not just Timothy Dalton, but Alex is here. Good. She's going to have a little plot line. She drops by the Buy More to apologize to Casey, saying her mom sent Morgan's invitation to the apartment instead of the Buy More. I guess, like, stores receive mail and, like, a manager can get personal mail forwarded to his office. But again, it's weird how much, like, these people just rely on the Buy More as a location to do stuff at or send stuff to. Alex tells Casey that she told her mom she was getting drinks with friends after graduation so she could drop by to spend some time with Casey and celebrate. Casey is a little weirded out that Alex would lie to her mom for him. Down in Castle, Beckman says that in light of the Norsemen, they're going to put the hunt for Vivian on the back burner. She has another surprise for them. She's let Volkov out of prison, at least temporarily. He arrives in restraints in an orange jumpsuit, and I honestly, like, they did a slow pan of his body. I totally thought he was going to be wearing, like, a Hannibal Lecter, like, mm -hmm. mouth mask thing. He's not. He's, 
they didn't want to cover that up, which thank thank you to them. That's the moneymaker right there. Yeah. Beckman asks Volkov to brief the team. So Volkov explains that the second component to the Norsemen is in the hands of a Somalian pirate and gambling addict named Elias Abshir. Volkov says Beckman caved to his demands to beat Vivian. Chuck doesn't trust Volkov at all, but Beckman is all like, damn the risks. Literally, she says, damn the risks. She also says Volkov is the team's responsibility for the next 48 hours. So Team Bartowski plus Volkov head off to Mogadishu. Once they get there, there's some kind of Windows Live ad on their computer. Honestly, I don't know what the computer stuff said because I was so distracted by the product placement. But it has something to do with Ebshir. Did you notice this? Uh, yeah, I wrote this down because <laughs> I think Casey says it maybe that he okay. is like, oh, Beckman uploaded a map of the pirate compound to my SkyDrive. <laughs> and I was like, what's a SkyDrive? I was like, was that made up or was this product placement for a product that failed so miserably that it's not remembered <laughs> 10 years later? Did you find an answer? Oh, no, no. I just <laughs> I pondered that to myself and then moved okay. on with the rest of my good. life. Good to know. Um, it, whatever, whether it's real or fake, there is a lot of Windows Live featured on this computer. So Chuck is going to be pretending to be there on behalf of Volkov, which I guess is supposed to strike fear into Abshir's heart. Volkov asks himself, why do I always choose fear over love? I would like to say that SkyDrive was the original name of what is now Microsoft OneDrive. Which I hate. I hate OneDrive. All know, my files are in OneDrive and I don't know how to get to them. I know. I It's Microsoft using a, any kind of PC is always like, do you want to save these to OneDrive? I go, no, I don't. I just want to save them to my computer. And it's yeah. like, well, what if you saved them to OneDrive? Great. I probably will never be able to access them if I do that because yep. I don't trust OneDrive. <laughs> so all that aside, before Chuck heads out, Sarah checks in again, asking Chuck how he feels about the prenup and if he's sure he doesn't want to talk about it. And Chuck responds with what I can really only describe as aggressively gaslighting her by telling her, like, it's cool. It's always been cool. He was never upset about it. Actually, it's weird that she's kind of acting like he should be upset about it. Is she upset about it? He's just, he's being cool. That's what a cool guy does. And back in Burbank, Devin is reading to Clara about evolution, and she's really, really cute. They they got a great baby. She's, she's adorable. Stork gave him a good one. Yeah. In the background, Ellie realizes that her mom deleted the Agent X file while she was babysitting. Devin tries to reassure Ellie that maybe it was a mistake, but Ellie says something isn't right and calls Mary. But Mary does not pick up. Back in Somalia, uh, Volkov has overheard Chuck and Sarah talking about the prenup and tells Chuck that he handled it well. Chuck tells him to mind his own business, but Volkov shares one of his lessons from therapy and then asks about Mary. Chuck says that he doesn't want to get into that right now, at which point Casey comes in to tell Chuck that it's time for him to go to the pirate compound. Volkov offers Chuck a final reminder to uh, really sell that he works for Volkov Industries. Chuck has to be really mean and ruthless and uh, and seem evil if he's going to sell it to these pirates. It's not going to be a problem for him, of course. Chuck enters the compound and encounters an armed guard who asks Chuck what he's doing there. Chuck confidently says that he works for Volkov Industries, which uh, causes literally everybody in the compound to draw their weapons on him. <laughs> Chuck tries to backpedal when Elias appears and declares that Alexei Volkov is a powerless worm in a U.S. penitentiary. Chuck says that he's there for the Norseman component, and Elias says that it is not for sale. We have a brief exchange here where Sarah asks Volkov why they didn't tell them that Elias hates him, to which Volkov says, everyone hates me. I accept that, which I, I appreciated because most people do hate Volkov. Yeah, 
He's he's become very self-aware while in prison. Chuck tries to negotiate with Elias, but Elias isn't having it. Volkov tells Casey and Sarah that Chuck is dead meat if he doesn't go in there and speak with Elias directly. Casey and Sarah agree to this and even let Volkov get something out of his prison kit. Meanwhile, Elias tells Chuck that he'll give Chuck the Norseman component if Chuck can beat him at the casino game of his choice. There's there's blackjack and roulette and crap set up all around the compound, but Chuck has a different request. Uno. <laughs> Back in Burbank, Mary explains that she was trying to copy the files from Steven's laptop to bring them to the CIA for analysis. When she was doing the transfer, something went wrong and the files were deleted. Ellie seems to be understanding, mostly because she knows that Steven's laptop automatically backs up everything to a secondary hard drive. Mary feigns relief at this, and Devin tells Ellie that they need to head out if they're going to keep their dinner reservation. They're like wearing, they're dressed up in this case. Devin's wearing a, very a shirt fancy. and a tie. They mm-hmm. look very fancy. Um, Ellie complies. She, she's ready to head out, but not before turning one of Claire's baby cameras around to face the laptop. <gasps> Ellie and, and Mary Dev- is a spy, but doesn't notice that this is going on. Mary's a spy and does not really check for any cameras or look around. She, uh, Whatever she's been doing the past few weeks has made her sloppy and slow and her sky, her spy skills and her sky drive. <laughs> I thought you were going to say sky drive. Yeah, are, are not what they used to be. Uh, Ellie and Devin exit the apartment and then scurry to hide in the entryway where the mailboxes are. Turns out they weren't actually planning on going to dinner. This is just a mission. Ellie tells Devin that Mary is too smart to have accidentally deleted a file and she wants to catch Mary in the act. She takes out the video monitor that um, provides a live or shows the live stream from the baby camera and watches as Mary immediately sits down and tries to remove the files from the laptop. <laughs> Ellie, She's can't, not wasting any time. She's not. She's not even waiting for them to like leave once again. This is a professional spy who's been undercover for decades and somehow is um, really screwing this one up. Ellie can't believe this and says that they need to follow Mary out the next morning when she leaves and see where she takes the files. So... Does this mean now that they've figured out that they can't trust Mary, that they are still going to go out to dinner? Because I feel like Ellie and Awesome should treat themselves. You know, it's date night. Yeah. They have a babysitter. Right. They've solved the problem that they were trying to solve. Like, they know Mary is fucking with things. So Yeah. Yeah. So they have the night off now. Yeah. They we don't know if they actually go out, but I like to think that they still went out and tried to enjoy their evening, even though I do too, you know, having a personal crisis over whether her mom is being dishonest and destroying her father's lifelong work. Yeah. Now, here's a classic I can't believe I'm saying this on Go Chuck Yourself line. I always like these. They're, uh, they just make doing this podcast so much fun. Uh, back in Somalia, Chuck is engaged in a high-stakes game of Uno with <laughs> Elias the Pirate King. Chuck catches Elias cheating and calls him out on it, to which Elias draws his gun. It looks like Chuck is about to be shot in the chest over a game of Uno, which I think we've all been there. Uh, <laughs> fortunately, Volokov enters the compound, followed by Casey and Sarah. Volokov demands the Norseman tracking device, but Elias won't give it to him. So Volokov throws a knife at Elias, lodging it in his shoulder. Volokov then approaches Elias, removes the knife, and points it at his throat, once again asking for the Norseman device. Elias, uh, with the knife at his throat, agrees to part with it. So Chuck grabs it and returns to Casey and Sarah. They tell Volkov that it's time to leave, but Volkov says that he needs to do something that is going to be very painful. Everybody is concerned about what this could be and are all surprised when this turns out to be Volkov's introduction to an apology. Volkov, still holding the knife at Elias' throat, says that he's still a work in progress and apologizes to Elias. Elias doesn't know what to make of this, but he doesn't have much choice, so he accepts Volkov's apology, making Volkov very happy. 
Team Bartowski grabs Volkov and they head out with the Norseman component in their possession. Back at Castle, Volkov explains that the last piece that they need to make the Norseman functional is an ultra rare mineral called thorium. Thornium? Thor- Thor- thorium. Thorium I think? is right. Yeah. Um, which makes sense because Norseman, Thor, it's all this. Ah, I didn't even think of that. That makes yeah. total sense. Yeah. It's, stick with me. I'll teach you all kinds of cool <laughs> things about this episode. He's talking about thorium. He has a little bit of thorium somewhere. He goes on to say that he had to wage war against an entire indigenous population and destroy their sacred tree in order to get it. But then he breaks and says that he was just making a joke about the movie Avatar, which they just showed him in prison, which um, once again was a moment where I was like, ah, this episode was recorded well after Avatar was a thing, which was feels like a very long time ago. You know, it still is a thing, though. The world of Pandora, which you can experience at Disney World in Florida. Yes. It's great. You can uh, have a flight of passage. You can do the Navi River ride. Have you been? Yeah, I've only done the river ride because the line, because it was like, we got there first thing in the morning. Uh-huh. And the line for the flight of the the Navi or whatever it's called. Flight um, of passage, yes. Already had a three and a half hour wait. And mm-hmm. we're like, well, we're not going to do that. So the uh the boat ride had a a lesser wait time so we stood Uh there for like an hour or so Uh for that and um was uh definitely a a waste of time that boat ride uh not very exciting you're um you didn't have the uh robot figure in it right you didn't see that That no no i did it was it worked yeah okay Um, well um clearly you are just not as cultured as some of us here at the, you're the less cultured go chuck yourself host because I think the Navi River ride is lovely. But I did fine. get to ride the Flight of Passage, which I would say is <laughs> worth the wait. Um, of course so you got to ride I'm it. I'm sorry you didn't get to experience that. That's very sad. It is actually life changing. Um, so I know you I know you listener, you can only hear our voices and you can't see what's going on. But Aaron is currently standing on top of her very high perch on one of the floating mountains <laughs> uh, talking down to me about how yes, to that's true, correctly do the world of Pandora. Um, look, I enjoyed the I liked visiting the Uncanny Valley as much as the next guy with the weird Sigourney Reaver robot thing. <laughs> I was like, wow, robotics are pretty impressive now, huh? And then that was that was it. Like you sit in the boat for three minutes and it's like really sleepy. And I was like, check out this billion dollar robot. And you're like, oh, yeah. And then the ride ends. And that was it. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. You're not the first person I've heard say this. I just had a nice time. I have a I think this is what they should do. I think this is what would make it better is if instead of the Sigourney Weaver robot, they put in Uh the Robert Kardashian hologram. Ah, that's a good idea. Maybe they could have both. Maybe they could interact with each other. Oh, that would be fun. That would be good. That would really make people probably have existential crises (laughs) all the time. Uh, Am I just a robot? Am I a hologram? In the um, in the line, this is well, this is now becoming a Pandora podcast. But in the (laughs) line for the Flight of Passage, there is a like Jake Sully. That's the main character from Avatar. You may have forgotten type mm-hmm. um suspended in water like he's a he's yep. an avatar he's so he's floating um that's something you walk by in the line for flight of passage so that's like there's also room for maybe like another tank with like robert kardashian's body or maybe like walt <laughs> disney's headless body could be in there <laughs> interesting we should maybe um go into ride development imagineering 
Oh, that I, that's got to be the most fun job in the world, right? I don't know how you go about doing that, but I can't imagine that those people aren't just having a blast constantly. Like, can you <laughs> imagine being like, oh, I'm so pissed I have to go to work and go figure out how to make this amazing roller coaster that people <laughs> around the world are going to love for years? So hard. Yeah, I don't know. I guess Avatar is still relevant because apparently there's going to be more Avatar movies at some that's point. That's true. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> the... Uh, at some point when people who were kids when the original Avatar came out, eventually they'll be able to bring their grandchildren to see the sequel <laughs> to Avatar. They'll be like, hey, it's about the oceans on the Avatar world. And like, oh, cool. I don't really care. So back to Chuck. Um, they're talking about Avatar and Beckman pops up at this time and asks for a status update. Chuck tells her that they think that Volokov knows where the thorium is, but he isn't telling them. Volkov says that he wants proof that the CIA will maintain their side of the bargain and let him see Vivian. Beckman directs him to a classified printout of an email between Vivian and the CIA, which shows that Vivian is agreeing to meet with Volkov. A lot of the information has been redacted, but Volkov examines the printout and sees that there's a Volkov Industries watermark on the bottom of the page, which is apparently very significant to him. He immediately says that the mineral is located in a bunker in Switzerland that is coded to his DNA signature. Volkov instructs Chuck to fuel the jets. But Chuck reminds him that he doesn't have any jets and Volokov apologizes before Casey drags him back to his holding cell. Elsewhere, Mary is leaving Ellie and Devin's. Mary is suspicious of something, but exits the courtyard anyways. We then see Devin pop out from behind a bush and page Ellie using one of the baby monitor walkie talkies. He tells her that Mary's on the move and Ellie tells her to get the car ready. Uh, their code names, like Aaron alluded to before, are Six Pack and Hot Mama. Devin is Six Pack and Ellie is Hot Mama, if that just, was not yeah, clear. Just to clarify. At the buy more, Casey is going through his locker when he finds a mysterious envelope. He opens it and it's an invite to Alex's graduation with a handwritten note on the back telling him to meet her at the shooting range at eight to have their own little celebration. Casey and I are touched by this. Um, I don't know why this just occurred to me now, but one of the most unrealistic things about the set design for the buy more, aside from the fact that there's a, a secret spy base underneath it, uh -huh. is that the employee lockers are way too big. Like, I was appreciating how Casey had decorated his locker with his, like, little Ronald Reagan or whatever. And I realized that as someone who has worked for a number of retailers, I have never had a locker that size at a store in, like, a break room. They're, like, the Buy More has these basically, like, school-size lockers. But the lockers that I've encountered in employee break rooms are, like, cubicle in shape and, like, a quarter of the size, the height of that kind of size locker um, I don't know why it took me this long to realize, or maybe we talked about this before. I don't remember. I don't remember talking about it, but that's absolutely fair. I have only had one retail job at which I did not have any lockers at all, um, but they are big lockers. I wonder if it's like some some sort of like it's easier to film than like a very small thing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there was obviously before the the lockers open or swing open or have swung open to be a door to castle. Uh -huh. So I, I don't know. But yeah. that was just something that crossed my mind. Uh, down in castle, speaking of castle, Mary is going to send Chuck to timeout because his sister is working her way through Steven's laptop. Uh, Chuck says that he doesn't want to go to timeout and that he told Devin to switch out the hard drive and disable it. Mary tells him that Devin clearly didn't do that and that she's continuing to make progress despite Mary's efforts to delay her. Chuck tries to think of a way out of this. Mary suggests that maybe it's time that Ellie just learned the truth about Chuck's work with the CIA. Chuck is worried that Ellie will resent him for lying to her this whole time. But Mary says that things could be worse if Ellie finds out on her own. At this point, Casey enters and says, Bartowski, Beckman wants to talk to you. Chuck says that he'll be right there, but Casey tells him that he was referring to Mary. 
While talking to Beckman, Mary says that she doesn't want to keep snooping around Ellie much longer. In the interest of full transparency, Beckman tells Mary that Ellie has unlocked secrets about the workings of the intersect that her best CIA analysts have failed to uncover. It seems to Beckman that Ellie has some kind of exclusive access to Stephen's work that could be crucial for expanding the intersect program. Mary tells Beckman that Ellie isn't a spy, but Beckman tells her that there's nothing else she can do about it and hangs up. Mary then hears Volokov singing in his holding cell <laughs> and asks Chuck what Volokov is doing there. Chuck, ex- uh, Chuck explains what's been going on this episode and asks Mary if she knows about the Norsemen, which of course she doesn't. That would be too easy. Uh, Mary ignores this and reminds Chuck of how dangerous and untrustworthy Volokov is. They can't leave him out there on his own. They can't leave him out of sight and they can't believe him for one second. We cut to a commercial break. And when we return, we are outside a cave in the Alps with Casey and Sarah. Chuck and Volokov are inside the cave, headed towards Volokov's vault holding the uh, thorium. Of course, the vault isn't protected by just a lock. (laughs) Oh, no. This is Volokov we're talking about, so it's protected by an artificial intelligence chessboard (laughs) that needs to be defeated in a game within five minutes or otherwise. uh, Machine guns go off and it kills whoever's playing it. Volokov offers to take care of the chess game himself, but Chuck insists on handcuffing himself to Volokov so that Volokov can't escape or get up to anything. Okay, so here's an idea. It's the boat ride in Pandora, except it's the Sigourney Weaver robot and the Robert Kardashian hologram, and they're playing this artificial chess Ah, game. Ah, that is really thinking outside the box, and I think that's (laughs) incredible. I think that's going to make us a lot of money. I think so. I think. Do you want to try to pitch it to Disney sometime this week? Yeah, I'll just drive down to Anaheim. Actually, they also have their offices in Burbank, which I think are even closer. So I'll just drive over there. Oh, Burbank. That's just, perfect. Uh, we can yeah. we can probably uh, write it off as like a go chuck yourself expense. That's if you go true. To Burbank. OK. Mm-hmm. OK. Um, yeah, I'll I'll drop in. I'll see if I can uh, run into um, Eisner is no longer the president. Who's the president now? Iger? No, he's, he's no longer the president down? either. He's just stepped down. Who's the I should know this. Do you think I should go to the president or do you think I should go to the head of Imagineering? Um, well, I think you should probably pay your specs and go to the head of Eng- uh, Imagineering. And then if he wants to rope in the CEO, then that could, you know, he could do that himself. OK, um, that's that's Bob Weiss, I believe. So I'll I'll run in. I'll I'll drop by and see my good friend, Bob. Yeah, I'm sure they'll be on board. Um, and I think we could sell the idea to them for a very reasonable price if they want to use it. Yeah. Okay. Um. Just so we're on the same page, what are you? Uh. What are you thinking? Price wise, would be price fair. wise. Yeah. I well, I mean, it's Disney, so I think that they can probably afford a lot of money based off of uh-huh. what I know about Disney. So I think it's probably fair to ask for like anywhere between three hundred and four hundred dollars. I think that's fair, but it might kind of be pushing it a little bit. I think maybe we should like. We should let them come to us, like maybe don't give a number, but then like I, I feel like just so we don't get disappointed, maybe we should hope for something more like two fifty, and then if we get more, then we'll be happy. Right. Okay. So we should expect that Disney will give us two hundred and fifty dollars for our idea. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. Sounds, Sounds good. good. So I'll so, I'll get that done this week. I'll give you an update next week. Perfect. So Volokov sits down and the chess game starts. Chuck supports Volokov and tells him to keep it cool while Casey and Sarah listen in from outside. Casey says that he knows that Sarah isn't too thrilled with Chuck's, quote, groovy new attitude. And Sarah reiterates that she's upset that Chuck just signed the prenup without talking to her. Casey reminds her that this is what Sarah would have done herself. So what's the big deal? I'm not super clear on this, but it seems like Sarah is upset about having distilled their relationship into a contract and suggesting that their marriage might not work out someday. I don't really know. 
Anyway, Casey asks her what the prenup was even for, and Sarah explains that she has quite a bit of money saved up in case her dad gets arrested again. Once again, I don't understand the through line here. It's money that she can use to bail out her dad. I Sarah elaborates that there's drama between her parents, which she doesn't want to stir up, and Casey says that he can relate since he's thinking of like how Alex must be feeling dealing with her parents. Inside the cave, the robot chessboard has bested Volkov, and Machine Gun Kelly emerges from the cave walls. <laughs> Uh, I wish. He's a good actor. Although he still has a minute and a half on the clock, Volokov can't seem to find a way out of check and starts to spiral. Thinking about how obsessed he was with Overkill as an evil villain, Volokov says that he used to enjoy these kinds of sick mind games because he didn't care about life or death, but now he's afraid to die. Chuck and Machine Gun Kelly give Volokov a very (laughs) uh, ineffective pep talk in which he refers to his own feelings about the prenup. Chuck then switches up his approach and appeals to Volkov's inner ruthlessness by reminding him of how scary and maniacal he really is deep down. This seems to work, and Volkov restores his interest in beating the computerized chessboard and saving their lives. With two seconds left on the clock, Volkov reaches checkmate, and the guns are disarmed. So that's all very exciting, but outside, Casey and Sarah have some trouble with their comms, and they begin to pick up Russian chatter on their radios, which is worrisome to say the least. They decide to head in and help Chuck. Meanwhile, inside, Volkov leads Chuck into a vault. Security is coded to Volkov's DNA, so he swabs himself. It looks kind of like a COVID test, or I guess like a DNA test. It just gave me a little bit of worry. They head in to grab the thorium, and Volkov apologizes. Chuck says it's not really necessary. Um, He's come to terms with what Volkov has done in the past, but Volkov says it's not what I've done. It's what I'm about to do. Just after Sarah and Casey arrive on the scene, the Russians come in, and who's with them but Vivian? It's a whole family reunion. Apparently, everything from the from apparently everything from the meeting with Vivian to now was all a setup. Predictably, Vivian organized the whole shootout at the meeting and left the Norseman behind on purpose so she could get a message to her dad, the only one who knows where the thorium is. Volkov is thrilled with this turn of events, especially as it gives him a chance to apologize to his daughter for being absent. Chuck notices a problem with Vivian's plan and questions what she'll do without the two other components, which are left behind in Castle, I guess, but Vivian says those can be rebuilt. The only thing she needed and couldn't get on her own was the thorium. She takes it, and she leaves Volkov behind! She says both he and Chuck have lied to her, and they don't really know who she is, so I guess they deserve to die. She leaves and says that the plasma bombs that Volkov used for security are impossible to defuse and about to go off. Chuck flashes on fighting to take down the guards that Vivian left behind, and they knock them out. Meanwhile, shaken by Vivian's betrayal, Volkov has become a nihilist again, and he claims that death is what he deserves. Chuck tries to give Volkov a pep talk about seeing things from Vivian's perspective, but it doesn't really seem to do too much. With only seconds left on the plasma bomb countdown, Volkov shuts it down with an EMP that he just had? He, I mean, we know he loves EMPs, he's always got those things. So everything's fine. They don't blow up. The bombs turn off and it's all good except Vivian left with the thorium. So back in Castle, Volkov suits back up for prison just as he's about to get back on the like, uh, I don't know, what are those called? Like a hand truck? Maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I- he's, he's about to get back on his hand truck that they're using to wheel him out of Castle when Mary steps out of the shadows. She says she'd be willing to hear out Volkov about whatever it was he wanted to say to her. He goes up and the Brunt of what he says is, I was not worthy of your love like Orion was. And then he just kind of apologizes. I don't know if he really specifies what he is apologizing for. I guess, like, 
taking her away from her family or like relentlessly hitting on her or like what I don't I don't know there's just so much but whatever later Casey meets up with Alex to talk about how uncomfortable he is about putting her in the middle between him and her mom he doesn't want Alex to be lying to Kathleen and suggest that they come up with some sort of compromise Casey says he's not going to be able to be there on the day of Alex's graduation unless Alex tells her mom the truth about Casey being alive back at home Chuck and Sarah sit down on the couch for a glass of, did you notice it's the, um, the Chateau wine from the wine episode? Ah, with was, the stable on the label on the, uh. Stork the, on the cork, yeah. Stork on the cork, yeah. It was very exciting to see. Um, what was less exciting was the fact that Sarah takes out the prenup and she just rips it to shreds. She turns to Chuck and she says, can you please stop being so cool? So Chuck finally talks about his feelings, and that involves him saying that he's made his own prenup. And I'm just going to read for you verbatim what it says. It says, I, Sarah Walker, promise to always love Chuck Bartowski, which at this point, Seth chimed in and said, I don't think that would hold up in court. (laughs) It goes on to say, I promise Chuck that I will never even contemplate the word divorce and I will never use my prenup. And Sarah is so happy about this. She's like, yes. And she signs it right away. And everything's happy. Indie music is playing. It's great. It's a great moment. I don't want to keep referring to the river ride at the World of Pandora <laughs> in Disney. However, I feel like the this episode is kind of like that because you're going through it. You're going through the episode. It's got kind of like the usual turns. And you're like, oh, this is like fine, I guess. Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. you get to the end and there's just this crazy thing. You're like, holy shit, what was that? And then you just keep... <laughs> Like, riding the boat through. I feel like that's what that moment was for me, where I was like, oh, this episode's like, yeah, I don't know. And then that happens, I was like, what the fuck? And then the episode just kept going as if nothing yeah. happened. <laughs> okay, so I, um, since we're so close to the end, I figure we'll maybe break that moment down in a later segment. Sure, sure. Um, but as the episode goes, across the way, Chuck sees Ellie and Devin. Chuck says he has to talk to Ellie, presumably to tell her that he is still a spy. Sarah assures him that it's not just what he does, it's who he is, so Ellie will have to accept it. So Chuck and Ellie meet up in the courtyard for a quick courtyard chat. Chuck is about to tell her that he's a spy when Ellie says the stuff on the computer was just video game cheats, it wasn't actually anything to do with Steven's spy life. She heads back inside to tend to the baby and make dinner, and Sarah comes out to comfort Chuck. Chuck says he didn't actually tell Ellie anything, but what did happen was that Ellie lied to him for the first time. He says, not cool. We cut back to Russia, where Vivian says that there was only ever one man her father was afraid of, Agent X. She's going to use the thorium to track Agent X down. We still don't really, like, Agent X is going to be Ellie, right? Like, what, it's, what Agent X is, is still kind of unclear. Yeah, it, is Agent X, was it Orion? Is it Ellie? Is it Chuck? We don't really, yeah. we don't really know. And also, Chuck really has no way of knowing that Ellie has never lied to him before. I mean, that's true. And she's really, like, never, like, never said anything like, ah, like, I didn't drink the last of the milk or, like, anything small. Like, she's never even told him a white lie, like, his hair looked good or, like, I, I feel like in the first episode, she tells him that he's a catch and that's a lie. <laughs> Wow. Uh, so yeah, that is Chuck versus the family Volkov. So much to talk about. So let's move right into Chuck, Mary kill, where we take uh, Mary Bartowski and we take something that we want to kill. No, uh, maybe. I don't know what you have written down, but 
one part of this episode that we'd like to marry because we like it. One part of this episode that we'd like to kill because we didn't like it. Aaron, what would you like to marry? So I'm going to marry Vivian's hair in this episode. I thought it looked really good. Um, as I mentioned before, I, I'm just liking her new look. Because they made jokes before with the um, the AI outfit thing in Castle. Mm-hmm. They like made jokes about making her look evil. But I think like in this episode, she does actually look kind of dangerous. She's got like the boots and like she looks really good. But she also looks like very in character as someone who is like flirting with the idea of being a dangerous international arms dealer. So mm-hmm. I, I thought that her um, her whole vibe was great. What about you? I I guess I just have like a few small ones. I don't okay. really have like a big one. Uh-huh. I enjoyed I enjoyed Morgan and Casey being in sync as roommates. And I wish we got to see more of that this week. Uh, I also enjoyed when Casey referred to Volkov as Oprah when he was getting in touch with his feelings. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, I, I feel like there's not enough Oprah jokes in Chuck. I also like the fact that Chuck ended up actually playing Uno. I thought it was just like a throwaway line, like that Chuck was asking to play Uno instead of an actual like gambling game. But mm-hmm. I'm glad that they actually followed through with it because it uh, made me uh, chuckle. Yeah, that was fun. So that's uh, that's what I wanted to marry. So okay. uh, what would you like to kill this week, Aaron? Are we are we on the same page or did we both pick the prenup thing or did you pick something else? Yeah, we picked the same thing. Okay, so, okay, let's break it down. Okay. Let's get into it. So we're talking about the prenup. Okay, so I feel like this is definitely not the first time I have seen this kind of plot line in a show at this era, or just in general. I think Mm -hmm. it is generally a plot line in shows that address prenup things, is that the character who is asked to sign feels insecure. Um, And actually, in this episode of Chuck, they do mention it, like, Part of the insecurity is the idea of like considering considering that the relationship might fail before they even become officially married. Then sometimes it also goes into like the idea of like insecurities about money, all of those things. Um, and it is never really good, I would say. Um, but I think this one has some particular problems, especially considering how it ends. Do you have Do you have anything you want to drop in? I mean, I. I was honestly so confused with the prenup stuff that uh. until that kind of moment at the end where I realized that all of it was messed up. I was specifically, <laughs> I my ire is focused more on Chuck's prenup than the okay. Sarah's prenup. Yes, yes I agree. Um, but because like I get that it's romantic or like cute or maybe even a little jokey on Chuck's part. But I mean, Sarah is a human being who is entitled to reserve the right to end any relationship that she feels like is no longer working for her. Yes. And I admittedly have some hangups when it comes to the idea of marriage. So I'm uh-huh. acknowledging that. But I don't think it's, objectively speaking, appropriate or healthy for a show like this to perpetuate the idea that divorce or breaking up with someone is not an option for you in the future or is a, yeah. is a failure or is bad. Um, people change and need to they need to be able to feel like they can do what's best for them, even if that means getting a divorce. So when that, when you can't even consider getting a divorce, I was like, oh my God, that is so controlling. And yeah. maybe he he didn't mean it like that. I and mean, it was more of like, just like a, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll love you forever kind of thing. <laughs> but it just rubbed me such, such the wrong yeah. way that I was like, what? I absolutely agree. I think what they were trying to do was like, it, it was all very confusing. Um, especially, like, the fact that they wouldn't let Chuck talk about his feelings meant that we didn't totally understand what they were. 
I think the biggest problem that the episode thinks that the prenup represented was the idea of, like, that they might get divorced, of thinking about the end of their relationship, all of those things. So I think, like, Chuck's prenup is trying to address that worry and say, don't worry, it's not going to be a problem because we'll never get divorced. But Mm -hmm. it is just, like, maybe... And it would, this would still be problematic, but maybe if Sarah had come in and said, I actually wrote a different prenup, here it is, I promise, like, I'm not thinking about divorcing you right now, like, mm. it probably won't happen, I love you, like, that would be one thing, but the mm. fact that it comes from Chuck, like, speaking as Sarah, saying, I need you to sign this thing that says, we'll always be together, you'll never leave me, you can't, it's legally binding, and even if it is a joke and it's not actually legally binding, like, it's still just really gross and weird and i did not care for it yeah did not did not care for it at all yeah um so moving into the scooter scale where we uh rate this episode on a scale of zero to five corn dogs uh, based on how much we liked it aaron how many corn dogs would you like to give this episode so alexei volkov is the atlas holding this episode on its shoulders as it turns, um, I would give this episode a 2.5, and like most of that is just like I was happy to see Volkov again. I thought that the um, Timothy Dalton's acting was really good. I thought that he was in turns funny and a little bit dangerous. Um, he had some like it's he's kind of back in the vibe of like sort of like Tuttle, sort of like Volkov coming to the family Thanksgiving. Like, he's more Mm. of a humor figure than a dangerous figure, but he did have some moments. I liked the moments with Vivian. I think, like, um, if if she's going to be, like, the the back half villain of this season, like, I think she's hitting the right beats. She's kind of a cool character in theory. Um, But the prenup thing was just, like, they put so much, like, that was kind of, like, the emotional A-plot of the episode, and I didn't understand it, and then when I did understand what they were going for, I hated it. So, that's bringing the score way down. Mm-hmm. I am fine with the moments with Casey and Alex. I'm happy that Alex was there. I'm happy that Mary was back, but I think, like, when I saw the cast list of this episode, like, featuring all of these characters, I was excited. I was like, what are they going to do with all these people? And then I don't really think they did anything that groundbreaking or exciting with Mm. all of them. It was just kind of a disappointment, which is disappointing in itself because we're so close to the end of season four. So that's my thoughts. I am right there with you. I also gave it a 2.5 out of five. Also saying that Timothy Dalton's mere presence in this episode (laughs) give, you know, gives me points. Um, I was confused about nearly every plot line in this episode. I was confused about the prenup and Chuck and Sarah's weird reactions to that. I was confused about Alex and Casey and how Alex wanted to keep her graduation celebration with Casey separate, which is what Casey wants, but then Casey doesn't want. And like, uh, then I was confused with Mary being back and what she's doing with Ellie. I wasn't really clear what Vivian was up to. I, I don't hate the idea of any of these plots, but I just feel like they were so critically underdeveloped that it made for a really strange episode. Like I almost wanted to go back and rewatch it. And I was like, did I miss something that is making me? Cause I just felt like there was just something wasn't clicking for me. And um, I don't think I would enjoy it enough to go back and rewatch it. But I, I just thought something was felt very off about this episode. Maybe the Norseman's role will become more fleshed out in the future. But right now it just feels like a, hardcore MacGuffin that wasn't yeah. really strong enough to carry the episode. It kind of feels like this. It was like 
a rough draft of an episode that came mm-hmm. to life. Like I could kind of see the, this is a sketch of a better episode yeah. that it just doesn't reach that potential. Cause I just feel like it would be something like where you read this episode and you're like, okay, I think you need to like work on this and work on that and make this more clear. But all, all of it, I was just like, I don't know what's going on really, or why the characters feel the way that they do or what's happening. Um, also, I think we didn't really talk about it, but I think it's also worth mentioning that points are coming off for me. And I would imagine for you as well um, for the classic Chuck sin of only showing crowds of people of color in circumstances that are synonymous with crime and danger. Oh yes, of course. Third world country. Um, I'm not saying that Somalia was not a dangerous place at the time or is a dangerous place or I, so the show's portrayal of it may have been accurate, but it just sucks to have the realization. Oh, like when you're watching it, like, Oh, there's not a lot of white people on the screen right now, immediately followed by, Oh, that's because they are trying to convey a sense of danger and peril. And, um, it, it just sucks. That was like, ah, it does suck. (laughs) Uh, I thought Thailand was pretty bad, but this one almost felt worse to me for some reason. Yeah, so. yeah it was not great. Uh, so yeah. uh, with with that with that point aside, um, we have had feedback from some of our listeners that you love episodes that we didn't love, which is fine. We'd love to hear from you. If you think this episode is one of your favorites, like we'd love to see your opinion. We'd love to see that um, from new eyes. Yeah, if we miss something, I mean, yeah. I, you know, but I don't know. Yeah. So, Arian, what did you learn this week? I learned that family and friends are everything. Money, greed, and power are a dance with Satan, and he looks like me. <laughs> Satan looks like you? Well, I mean, Volkov says it, and it sounds a little bit, like, better, more intimidating, a little bit more threatening, <laughs> a little more sexy when he says it, but yeah. He looks like me. I mean, you know, they say that the devil is where you least expect. So would you expect it in this this face? <laughs> no, I would not. <laughs> uh, this week, I learned that when you wish for Linda Hamilton to come back to reprise her role of Mary from earlier in the season, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> I wanted my kill initially before we got to that contract part, like Chuck's uh-huh. contract was Linda Hamilton's performance because I thought uh-huh. she turned in a real stinker of a performance. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not that her acting, I don't, I feel like she did better in the earlier episodes. I don't know uh-huh. if she's like a great transformative actress by any uh-huh. means, but this week I was just like, she just is like phoning in it as hard as she possibly, not that you can, I guess if you're phoning something in hard, then you're putting an effort. It just didn't really <laughs> seem like she was really trying at all this week. And I was just like, yeah. why were you even here? Uh, so, yeah, that is... Uh, That's Chuck versus the family Volkov. I guess you could say that we are a little stoned off of season four, episode 20. Uh, I was going to say that we are not welcoming the family Volkov into our family. No, I mean... I mean, I'm I'm welcoming both of them into, into my family. Both of the um, characters, but the episode, Chuck versus the family Volkov, is not going to be a family member of mine or ours. Sure, sure. But you still are, you know, holding out the possibility that you might become married to Volkov, you might become Vivian's stepmother, potentially. That would actually be very interesting. I, um, yes. Okay. That's, I'm going to be thinking about that. (laughs) Well, until next week, when we will be discussing uh, Chuck versus the wedding planner, and we will be talking more about fatherhood and dads, just like (laughs) this episode was all about 
Vivian's daddy issues. I guess we'll be talking about other characters' daddy issues next week. Uh, so until then, my name is Chris Gillespie, reminding you that food is sexy and to uh, to check out the Pandora world of boat rides in a few years when they've been revamped to include Robert Kardashian's hologram. And, and, the, a, and the game of chess. And the the uh, artificial intelligence chessboard and, and maybe Machine Gun Kelly. Maybe we'll throw Machine Gun Kelly in there as well. I, I think he would be a good fit. He could do um, an original song for the ride. I feel like Machine Gun Kelly's physique is very similar to the Nobby <laughs> physique. <laughs> if you painted him blue, it's basically basically Avatar. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> so my name is Erin Arana, letting you know that anything is possible. Even me being uh, the embodiment of Satan. I'm probably going to get possessed for saying that. So uh, I better go before do that you- happens. Are you hiding in the body of a fly? Are you, if I see a fly, is that supposed to be you? Is that a Satan thing? I I think so. I was making a reference to something, but maybe, maybe. You, were you making it. a reference to the fly? No, no, I was making a reference to WandaVision. When is there a fly? There's a, a fly on the wall in the most recent episode. Oh my God. All right, well, we, we better go because we got to talk about this. Okay, <laughs> bye-bye. Thanks for listening. As always, a big thanks to the artist Hadakoa and the fine folks at freemusicarchive.org for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. If you want to drop us a line, you can reach us at gocheckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Go Check Yourself on your preferred podcast platform. New episodes come out every Monday morning and you do not want to miss a new episode. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.